start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow, and with me today, instead of Susan Fox, is my co-host, who is uh, science fiction fantasy author S.P. Hendrick. Hello. And our guest today is um, Scotty Mullen, and I will let you, we will, uh, (laughs) 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 welcome to the show. Uh, You are, thank you, uh, you are the producer of the, uh, another film uh, having to do with Arthurian legend, and why don't you tell us about... Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually just the writer. I'm just the hack. Ah, the writer. The, makes, okay, I, even yeah. better. So we're because because now we've got we've got uh, a comparison that we can do that's apples to apples here, because S. P. Hendrick, sure. of course, is a, another writer with several novels under her belt, in this sort of um, uh, minefield, if you will, of mythology. Mm-hmm. So great. Uh, so the name of the film is. Um, it's uh, King Arthur and the um, Knights of the Round Table. The original name of it was actually Knights, and then it was going to be Knights of New Camelot. And then um, the title that they looked on was uh, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Probably to take advantage of the other King Arthur movie that Guy Ritchie just produced that, that came out. <laughs> yes, yes, which which unfortunately did so poorly in the box office. I was very surprised to see that. That's yeah, nice. well, um, you'll have no. There's no comparison. This is that people will not be confusing this King Arthur with that King Arthur. They're very, very different from each other. That's the great thing about the. It's the great thing about Arthurian legend. It is such a primal myth in our uh, in our modern mythology that right, uh, right. You know, you can you can use it as a starting point and sort of jump off anywhere and run with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can wrestle it and all kinds of stuff, which I think we kind of did with um, with our version of it, which was a lot of fun. So um, I can give you a little backstory on how the story came about, if you'd like to hear. Yes, very much. Okay. So um, my friend Jeremy Inman was actually going to direct um, um, a King Arthur movie um, for The Asylum, which is the production company that produced this. And you guys probably know The Asylum from Sharknado – Ah, and yes. Z Nation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, absolutely. And, um, 
yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. And, um, so my friend Jeremy, who is a fantastic writer and director in his own right, um, um, people might be familiar with his work, Avengers Grimm, and then he just came out with a movie called, um, Sinister Squad. That's mm-hmm. available actually on Netflix right now, and they're just, they're just very fun movies. And he was a huge, huge fan of all of the Keen Arthur mythology. Um, and, um, he was, a, um, one time I was talking with him and he was, he was very brokenhearted. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, well, they still want to do a Keen Arthur movie, but they don't want to do, he wanted to do it like back. He wanted to be very authentic. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, a um, historical piece. what they want to do instead, they want, they want to, yeah, they want to make it, um, modern day. They want it to be about the descendants of the Knights of the Round Table. And, um, at the end, he wants them all to fight a big giant robot. Uh, what? And of course, I got like a creative erection because I thought that was amazing. Because <laughs> okay. um, I'll be honest, I thought that everything that had been kind of with Keen Arthur had kind of been done. Um, I mean, I just love the movie Excalibur mm-hmm. and the uh, musical Camelot and stuff like that. So, um, but this new spin they wanted to do about it, about the descendants today, because I thought, oh, you can have all kinds of fun with, you know, male and female and different races and all kinds of things about what happened to their descendants. And, um, so I had a lot of fun. So that really captured my imagination. So I remember that weekend, I just went crazy on a pitch for it Mm -hmm. and I presented it to the development team and, um, they, they, they liked, um, they liked what, um, some of the fun things that I had come up with. And, um, we we went right into the script. And then they threw another curveball at me. They said, um, we want you to set this in Bangkok because we want to film this in Thailand. Oh, of course they did. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now I have to guess. Yes. Yeah, so I had to figure out what a way to get all the knights, of, you know, the, the knights of the round table, their descendants into Bangkok to fight a big giant robot. And um, this, I had a lot of like, fun. This sounds like uh, they're trying to glue a lot of things. Things together that Doctor Strange, a little uh, very interesting. (laughs) The nice thing about King Arthur, though, is that it has been done so many different ways, so many different times, and most of it bears absolutely no resemblance to the original Welsh mythology, which was long before the Knights in Shining Armor. And Mm -hmm. it's like, who's your Arthur? Arthur can be so many different things, so many different kinds of people depends entirely on on who you are gravitating toward so everybody's got their own separate arthur they do they do um one thing that really captured my imagination with the whole legend was actually morgana um and the um especially the incestuous kind of obsession she had with arthur and then their son uh, mordred so i really had a lot of fun exploring that and kind of how she got her revenge on him by going after his descendants. So that's kind of how I had fun. So it's very much like, oh, I would say like, it's kind of like a Power Rangers meets Mommy Dearest movie. (laughs) 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 I, I was, I, I did see the trailer. And, uh, yeah. So I definitely, I definitely see the parallel you're drawing. That's, right, uh, right. I think yeah. that's actually very yeah. apt. I, the the whole mentality of of uh, of doing a film like this. I mean, after just having come off of Sharknado, I mean, right. uh, you know, I mean, this is 
uh, and Sharknado being such a ridiculous success, you know, way, way beyond mm-hmm. what you'd ever think a concept like that would do. Uh, uh, when I give, uh, when I give lectures to new artists and new writers, uh, who are trying to put mm-hmm. together whatever it is that they're, you know, their new, um, uh, production, um, I, I always say, just remember, you you don't have there's no such thing as a bad idea just remember somebody sat in a boardroom somewhere and said i know let's make a film about a tornado with sharks in it yeah yeah <laughs> somebody said yes to that <laughs> right right you know it's it's odd i have a i i kind of owe my writing career to sharknado and i never thought i would um because I got started, my my very first movie that I wrote um, was also produced by The Asylum. Mm-hmm. And um, it was about a um, sorority girl that falls in love with a zombie. Very different from this King Arthur movie. And um, that introduced me to the whole Sharknado world. And um, then I started casting the Sharknado films. And that led to my career now as a full-time screenwriter and casting director. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, even though, you know, Sharknado is so wild, it has just really just, it's so much fun and very dear to my heart. And I just met the most amazing people and it's taken me all over the world. And I'm just so, so grateful to it. And, um, I'm really proud of this movie, the King Arthur film that I wrote, because it showed the asylum that I could also write action because mm-hmm. they knew me as a comedy writer. Right. Mm-hmm. But then I reinvented myself as a, as an action writer and um, I do think that it led up to me, um, right, which instead of just having casting duties for Sharknado 5, which comes out this August, I'm also the screenwriter of that. So, so yeah, so that's been very, really, very busy. fun. But, um, <laughs> very, very busy. Well, yeah. But I must say, I really, I had a lot of fun um, with this, um, this, uh, this King Arthur legend, um, because I, re- I really went, I, you know, I, re- I had a fun time kind of reinventing a bit of the tale and um, and having a lot of fun with what, you know, just what these descendants would be. I come from, um, I grew up in a small town in Kansas, and we would always have um, these Wild West weekends. Mm-hmm. And they're also that said that they were like descendants of, you know, Wild Bill Hickok and things like that. And um, so I kind of kind of touched on that a bit. So... It was just, you know, kind of that whole family legacy, whether you embrace it or not. So, anyway, I'm not quite sure what I'm saying, but I had a lot of fun writing it. Well, it's there's there's so much uh, there's so much fun that you can have uh, in an environment like mm-hmm. this. It's it's um, you know I make I make fun of Sharknado, but to be honest, uh, uh, people who can't cut loose and enjoy something like Sharknado once in a time, once in a while, are those are those people who just need a ruddy poke now and then, you know, to, to remind them they that do. they are human beings and that that uh, a certain amount of life is uh, is frivolity and fun. <laughs> right, right, yeah, and I you would know? say I would say there's that same kind of um, theme, kind of in, in the, even in this film, is that it's about it's an hour and a half. It's just a really fun guilty pleasure. 
where you can completely forget about everything. It's, it's I think it's the one time where Republicans and Democrats can come together. <laughs> never, never oh, gonna happen. We're <laughs> gonna happen. That's awesome. I, I, I do think that yeah, Sharknado will help heal America. So uh-huh. <laughs> at least it'll take a bite out of the problems. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, so, oh, oh. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a yeah, good one. Yeah, that was. Oh. So I do kind of say, I do kind of say that this um, Keen Arthur, the Knights of the Round Table, is a very good appetizer for what. Um, <laughs> and, uh, still and with the <laughs> still with the chum jokes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so. Uh, Having to reset the whole thing in Bangkok, um, mm-hmm. what was that like from a research standpoint? Well, what I did, I kind of decided that what I would have these descendants do because I thought, why in the world would they all get together? Mm-hmm. And so I had that once a year they would all get together to have kind of a, like a family reunion and kind of sword fight competition. And they would every year they would go to a different place around the globe. And, um, and ah. this time they just happened to go to Thailand. Uh huh. So okay, that works. That's that, yeah. That's a, that's a well, good conceit, you know. I, it's, right. Uh, and um, because Thailand is where the descendant of um, Merlin lives, mm-hmm. and, um, and I had her. Oh gosh, I, her name is Krista. I named her, and um, she actually um, has the uh, what we what we what we think is actually the Holy Grail, and it turns out to be something else. But she's been using it. To make money, and so when um, Morgana comes back after a, after being banished into outer space fifteen hundred years ago, and then she comes back with all this crazy alien technology to get her revenge on the descendants, um, she goes after that Grail. So that's kind of why I have this big battle in Bangkok. So, well, I think it's really great that you 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 chose uh, such a. A, a casual explanation for them being in Bangkok because, <laughs> because frankly, if you had, if you had tried to wind anything up any tighter than that, it would have looked ridiculous. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, it would have looked, yeah. it would have yeah, looked yeah, so it, forced. It ridiculous enough. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would have, it, it, it would have said, uh, uh, it would have challenged the viewer to, uh, to, to see the, uh, to see the, the flaws in the right. logic, and whereas and uh, with something like that, yeah, you, know, I, you just say, let it, it go. It, when you when you see when you see the movie, it kind of even makes sense at the end, the big climatic battle, that there would be a giant robot attacking Bangkok because that's something that kind of happens in Asia cinema of anyway. <laughs> of course, <laughs> so of course, in, it does. In this case, actually, magic and uh, technology are indistinguishable because magic and technology are the same thing for Morgana in this one, right? Right. So what I have, well, well, so what I had, yeah, I'm kind of giving some spoilers here, but it's fine. What I, I knew that my, my big thing was I, I, I thought, how am I going to have this big giant robot then appear at the end? And I thought, oh, there's going to be a danger. Technology and magic don't mix. So Morgana has, um, she's gathered all this alien technology from, you know, all these worlds. And so she has all these, all these fun, um, you know, alien weapons that she's been she's fighting the descendants with, mm-hmm. and when they think they're gonna they think they're gonna kill her with the um, Excalibur sword, but when they thrust the sword into her, the sword the magic of the sword mixes with her alien technology and transforms her in this huge giant robot oh, that great. then goes on a rampage. 
Well, yeah, and so I had a lot of fun with that. Ex- um, magic, you know, and that's your explanation yeah. as to how that happens. And um, okay, <laughs> you know, yes, yes, yes. It, that, it's that another one of those popcorn trying, moments. Some kind of logic on why that would happen. Yeah. So, um, so is there love interest was, in this too? Like. Well, of course, with my my two my my two main characters, my descendant of you know Guinevere and Gwen, and my descendant of Arthur, they're they're getting engaged. But I had a really fun thing. I had the um, the descendant of Tristan, who is this um, hardcore um, hardcore uh, martial arts girl. Um, she falls in love with Mordred. Um, that could who be wants dangerous. to redeem himself for all of his stuff that he's done. So I had a lot of fun with that. I had a lot of fun with Mordred. Of him just trying to get away from this, the overpowering, you know, lunacy of his mother that had, um, oh yeah, had done all this. Yeah. So I had a lot of fun with that. And, um, what had happened was at the beginning of the movie, the reason that Mordred and Morgana, they're banished into space, um, um, Arthur and Merlin thought death was too good for them. So they granted them the gift of immortality, but then they were going to trap them in this eternal prison. That would keep them spinning endlessly through space. So right. he's been with his. So Mordred's been with his mother for fifteen hundred years, and he's quite quite done over with her. her. Company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the problem with uh, you know. It, it sounds as though they didn't quite think this through because, uh, given enough time, any prison is escapable. If if if, right. uh, if you have an infinite amount of time, sooner or later you're going to get out. Right, right. So it's just kind of the it, it, it has a little bit of a wink of a nod to the mm-hmm. um to the Phantom Zone in Superman. It was that right. kind of same mm-hmm. Yes, that very thought so. occurred to me, mm-hmm. you know, as as you yeah. as you said that. So, um Yeah, yeah. So So what's your what's, I had a lot of fun with. What's your process like? Do you start with uh, character uh character backgrounds? First, or do you start with the plot first? Oh, what, sure. what drives your oh, well, um, development? Yeah, well, yeah. So, um, what I love, um, um, this is actually my, um, it was actually the third movie I wrote, but it's the fifth movie that got produced. It's come out, and I've been very lucky. Um, there's nothing I love more than figuring out a riddle. So, all the movies that I've made that have been produced started out as being a, someone else's idea, a producer's idea that came to me, and had like a little figment of an idea. And, um, and then asked me to, you know, come expound on that. And I love that because it has me exploring all kinds of stories I would never have come to on my own. And, um, one challenge for me was with the King Arthur was just because I, I just loved Excalibur. It's one of my favorite movies. And I just thought, well, there's nothing else to be done. And Mm -hmm. so when they came to me and they wanted to be about the descendants, um, that's when I did, I did a lot of research. I um, I pulled out that old comic book. I'm not sure if you ever wrote, read um, Camelot 3000. Uh, believe the- it or not, yes. That was a gold key yeah. comic. <laughs> yeah, I that think was a I, very fun comic. So, yes, I think I had that comic. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I've yeah. read it. Yeah, that's a good one. So I just – I kind of researched on, on that and I, I researched a lot on the knights on their oath and um, I reread um, – the Once and Future King, and I looked mm-hmm. at a lot of movies, and um, and I was trying. I had to find something I was going to fall in love with, and I fell in love with Morgana, because um, as Walt Disney says, your movie is only as good as your villain. And I thought, oh, this is such a fun 
um, villainous. And it was so, I had so much fun writing her. And, um, that was kind of, she kind of became the, um, the center of it was this, um, and I had, I actually had a lot of empathy for her, even though she's absolutely terrible. Of course, she doesn't see her, what she sees as being awful at all. Mm-hmm. Just this woman that's very powerful that just happened to fall in love with her brother and, um, Ew. and just where that all led her, <laughs> led her. <laughs> so yeah. I really, 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 um, had a lot of fun with her and with Mordred and everything like that. So that's, and I, but, but in terms of research, um, um, I did a lot of that. I kind of, I kind of found like where the main story was. And so I thought, well, this is going to be, even though, even though the movie is about King Arthur, it really is her story, um, of revenge. And, um, so then, oh, oh gosh, I, 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 I listen to a lot of music to help me get ideas. A lot, I pull up a lot of pictures. Um, but I do a lot of outlining and then mm-hmm. I go back the producers and we work on an outline on what they like and what they don't like and everything like that. And then I go to script and usually I write my first draft, um, in about two to three weeks. Um, and just really bang that out. And, um, and then we go back and forth with notes and things like that. And, um, one challenge of this was because we were filming in Bangkok, um, they wanted, they didn't, but they, we were on a budget. So they wanted a, hire local actors so um there was some the actors also had we got we got a we got a lot of good um martial arts fighters and sword fighters Mm -hmm. to do it but even though some of them could really fight really well some of them can act that well right so there's really there's rarely an overlap there Right, right, right. So, but, um, I got to go over to Thailand and, um, I tailor, I kind of tailored this script and, um, when I discovered, you know, which actors were stronger than others, I kind of redid some dialogue and stuff like that to focus on their strengths that way. So, did you, um, did you, uh, do you find yourself going back over your scenes to rewrite to, uh, to tweak the dialogue or do you, do you pretty much have a good enough handle on the dialogue so that you don't have to do that? Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, the, with, um, with, di- yeah, I was, excuse me, I don't know why I'm stuttering, speaking of dialogue. <laughs> <I'm>, um, <laughs> because I'm, I'm, um, I'm pulling you in three directions. You know, I'm pulling you mentally right, in three right, directions, right. so. Oh, well, the big thing with, with the dialogue is that, um, you know, of course, then the director will look it over and he might have some ideas, but a lot of times the actor may have some better ways to word things or some, the syntax that might work better with them. So, mm-hmm. but, um, in this film, we had a they, they they pretty much stuck to the script a lot, and um, a lot of the fun. There was some jokes that could have worked better, but um, but there was um, um, I'm, I really owe it a lot to Sarah McCool Lane and Russell. They played um, Mordred and Morgana, and they just really just took that whole thing and ran with it. They're a lot of fun to watch. Um, yes, yeah, sometimes I would say the actor, that, uh, the actor chemistry. I would say, I, adds so much to the performance that you, you, yeah. gosh, did I write that? <laughs> right, right, right. So that was fun. It was, I, I have, I have a lot of fun watching those two, what they did with it. They had a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah McCool Lane, she mostly plays in all of her other movies. She's always played victims and very good girls. She always plays the, she was a big, um, soap opera actress in Thailand and she was always playing the nice girl that got cheated on. And she had so much fun playing the exact opposite. Oh yeah, uh, for, you know, because my Morgana was pretty much fade down away unchained. Yes, I can picture that. <laughs> yeah, 
If you, yeah, if, so if you do too much of the same thing all the time, I, I what you really want to do is the opposite. If you've been the good, the good person all the time, <laughs> you want to play a villain so badly. Oh, right, right. It's, it's interesting because also with casting, I've noticed it's the nicest people usually play the best villains. Oh, yeah. Because it's very different for them. Yeah. So, yeah, so it, um, it was very difficult for me to watch uh, Jude Law playing the villain in this other Arthur movie because he's always one of the, the good guys. And I could tell he was having yes. the time of his life, absolute time of his life <laughs> playing the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you really get to just you really well bad bad people. They're so much fun because they don't have any rules and they can they they just can really. I mean, when you want to take over the world and don't really care who you're going to get in the way, I mean that's very freeing. So there's a lot of <laughs> fun independence to being the villain. So well, and the great thing about the villain is that the villain never sees themselves as the villain. You know, it's it's right. always the world needs fixing. It looks like it's up to me. You know, I mean, yes. that's, that's how you, that's how you think of it. You, you don't wake up in right. the morning and say to yourself, I think I'm going to be a bad guy today. That's not how it works. Right. Right. Well, and that was back to Morgana. All she really wanted was to have a family. She wanted to marry her brother and they could raise their son. And she didn't see what the problem with that was at all. And, um, yeah. I kind of kept that, you know, cause. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I don't okay. know. I, I've, I've talked a lot about more. I would like to hear about what SP thinks of Morgana. I, 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 I haven't read your books yet. I'm so sorry, but I wasn't sure if you've explored uh, Morgana and Mordred in your in your books. Um, not particularly. I, I do have some Arthurian stuff in one of them, and at this point, I'm not sure which it is because the series deals with reincarnation, and I don't know which book the flashback was in, where the one character is. Um, Arthur's father, Uther Pendragon, oh. and the other character is the uh, Duke of Glastonbury, who's coming to kill him. But it had been mm. a pre—it had been a prearranged thing. They were good friends, and he was the sacred king who was going to die for the the good of the land. So I've only basically touched on it, although I have followed King Arthur since I was oh five six years old been watching Arthurian things and reading Arthurian things. Um, oh, that's cool. It's, it's a, it, it, like Robin Hood, you can change the story and it's still the story. And everybody mm-hmm. realizes who the characters are and everybody knows what they're supposed to be. And when you switch them around a little bit, sometimes people accept it, sometimes they don't. Watching the um, King Arthur, The Legend of the Sword, it was like I was never sure watching the movie whether I loved it or hated it. <laughs> but it did have a reaction, and it did hold it did hold my attention throughout. But, right. Okay. Well, yeah, that's good. That's good then. So I'm sure that this is going to have the same effect on a lot of people. <laughs> well, I must say I have been – we have been um, – Usually that works with, usually that comes away with my work. People either absolutely love it or they absolutely detest it. But it's, it's <laughs> or they may, they, they may do yeah. both. They may do both. Yeah, both, right. Um, I would say that, uh, and like the, the, the films that I've written recently, they've been very like, the, 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 they've been like the best, most delicious cheeseburger that's very, very bad for your health. But yeah, gosh, exactly. Exactly. A guilty eating. pleasure. It's what I, it's like what I was saying. Uh, earlier, you know, uh, uh, you can you can worship films like On Golden Pond, but if you don't right. if you don't tip the scale and and uh, look 
on the other, you know, on the other side of it once in a while, uh, you don't have the full, you don't, you don't have the full range of experience, uh, uh, right. And, and, um, there is fun to be had on both sides. And we are in a climate yeah. where escapism is something that everybody is looking for. Oh, yes. 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 Especially these yes. days. So this is, this is going to be the year of the great escapist movies. Not meaning the great oh, escape, but the so, great escapist. I will, yes. I will say this. I really, I was talking to some friends of mine. They said, um, that are in, you know, with studios and things. And they said, you know, they said, if anything, the Trump is going to bring back blue sky entertainment. It's going to bring oh, back yeah. optimism. It's going to, I think, I think a lot of this, all these apocalyptic movies and things like that, that we've actually been kind of just flooded with in the past few years. I think hopefully we're going to have some more, more fun, optimistic films that are just kind of, you know, because I kind of think like back in the eighties, how much fun those movies were. And those were also during a Republican administration. Yeah. So that's you know. interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. It would, they, they were, they were dark times. It's also <laughs> right. the thing of when we have a space program, we have no good science fiction. When the space program is not doing anything wonderful that we're all being entertained by, we have great science fiction. Oh, that's very, okay. That's, I, that's, that's, that's so, so, uh, yeah. because, because we have been, uh, we're, we're watching the, the, uh, the images come in from the Cassini, uh, as they slowly drop that probe into the atmosphere, uh, and we have those amazing pictures of, uh, Pluto and its, uh, companion, Charon. I hesitate to call it a moon. It's actually just another, uh, dwarf planet that happens to be in orbit around it uh, and uh, watching with awe as the dawn probe swept over the surface of the asteroid series in the asteroid belt and looking at what we thought was an alien city nestled in the center of a crater on this alien wow. world uh that I know. that the science fiction that we have been dealing with in the media has been sucking. <laughs> yeah. is, that, is that the yeah. theory there? Uh, it, I don't think everybody is as appreciative of the, the pictures that we're getting back as some of us are. I think most of us wanted to to, to see you know like the first man on the moon, mm-hmm. um, human involvement with it, not just robotic stuff happening. And when there's no humans doing it, then we're boldly going where we've never gone before, cinematically and on TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there is an increased appetite for fantasy and science fiction. Yeah, just like there's an increased appetite for for needing to have an escape from what's actually going on around us. Mm-hmm. So it makes the perfect environment for films like Sharknado yep. and, and <laughs> King Arthur and the Round Table. Uh, you know, yeah, you know, I, I'll add to that, um, SP, because that's what you both said. That's very interesting because um, looking back, because I grew up in a real small town in Kansas. And um, man, it, but I look back and think, and think even though I, I thought it was very miserable – while I was growing up there, I'm so grateful for it because it gave me so much room to dream because um, I just read and I read all the time and I just absorbed so much fun um, 
pop culture and movies and everything like that. And, um, and it's also where I began writing. And, um, I would not be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for going through all that, you know, all that angst back in Kansas. So. Well, and being, being isolated from it. Uh, mm-hmm. really yeah. allow, allowed you to develop your own internal universe. And I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not sure that would have happened if you had had continuous access to all the entertainment and distraction, uh, that you wanted. Uh, right. You know, you, right. if, if, if you weren't forced into the position of having to create those worlds yourself, uh, you, you mm-hmm. wouldn't have done it. And that, uh, that's sort of, raises the question if we do not have these fantasy worlds are we in fact uh obligated to create them ourselves mm mhm mhm yeah i think the answer to that might be yes i think we do yeah. create them our, ourselves whether or not we write them down and let other people see them i think everybody does that they enter in their mm-hmm. own little fantasy world and for those of us who feel like throwing it out there for the rest of the world to see, we do. And other people just sort of keep it tightly wrapped around themselves or they will go into somebody else's fantasy world like Star Wars or whatever and they will live in that and they will maybe write their fan fan version novels of what's happening or decide that they are so-and-so and they are part of that world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just who is doing the reading and who is doing the writing. And for some of us, it's both. Mm-hmm. I will say this. What I'm, I am so grateful for the asylum is that um, because the, the films they make are just seen all over the world. And there is nothing – There's there, I, I still haven't found it yet. There's no better feeling than just this crazy story that's just inside my little brain. And then watching these people bring it to life for people all over the world and um, to see. And that's just that's – a, that's a big fun – it's a big fun get. For, out of all of this, so I'm okay. very grateful for that, and I'm and I hope that people have a lot of fun um, seeing the, our wild take on King Arthur versus robots in Thailand. So <laughs> sounds <laughs> like fun to me. That just makes me giggle every time I think about it. You know, right. what King, is, no, King Arthur? It's going to make you giggle Kaiju. even when you see it because the, the, I will say the last ten minutes of the the movie are, are quite. Um, yeah, I just uh, I was I was yeah I was like yep there's the, there's a big giant I, a reviewer said a big giant 100 foot dominatrix robot <laughs> destroying are you are you pleased so, with the effects in your film are you are you happy with the way they rendered your vision you know this is how this is how I just kind of have to take it. it's kind of like you know giving birth to a baby and then giving it for adoption <laughs> because, uh-huh. you know because otherwise I but I'd be just a lunatic just running around through the streets screaming and crying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, 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 you have so much fun when you write it and, um, and then you have to, then you have to give it up and you have to hand it over to the director. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've been very lucky where, um, the directors have let me be on set. I'm always, I always make sure that I'm a help and not a hindrance. Um, I have to, usually I bite my tongue a lot and stuff like that because, you know, it's their project now and their so you're, vision. You're there to fix, you're there to fix dialogue if, if the director, if the actor or director is having trouble with it. Yeah, or, I would say dialogue and sometimes they'll, they'll ask, like, especially when we, a big thing that I help with is when we're, like, is to help with, um, to refit a scene for the location and stuff right, like that. So, right, because, yeah, and so I've, 
I've done a lot of that. And also there might be like problems where, okay, we, we have 10 pages, we have 10 pages in the script, but we only have enough time to, you know, to shoot five or six. Mm-hmm. What can we do to condense this down? And like, you know, and helping them find the big essence and everything like that. One thing I, I do try to, I, I, I work when I, one one theme that I when I work with the directors is that no matter what, remember the big thing is that this is to be entertaining. So is we are creating some is we're creating a, you know an hour and a half to two hours of really fun entertainment and escapism for our audience. So I always try to put that at the forefront, and I always remind them that we're making somebody's favorite movie. So did you did you have, no matter what mm-hmm, did you it is. <laughs> did you end up uh having to cut a favorite scene because it just didn't work in the in the uh in the Gosh, well I well there was one thing and no she she was such a good actress and so I'm not going to say who it was but I had um it was one of the descendants I made her she had a lot of fun kind of sarcastic snarky dialogue mm-hmm. but the actress who was playing her was um Russian and had a very hard time speaking English mm-hmm. and so a lot of those fun one-liners kind of had to go out the window. Um, so, 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 but, but she was a very good, um, she was just a world-renowned sword fighter. And, um, so we gave her just more action to do. And, um, so there was that. Um, but then some stuff turned out better than I thought. Um, because the very beginning of the movie is a flashback to, um, when King Arthur is, um, battling Morgana. And, um, in the original script, I had that they fought in a castle. Well, we didn't have a castle in Thailand, but they had these amazing underground caves. So oh, we had that they were fighting in the caves of Camelot. That's, and that ne- that's really nearly good. as good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and so then he creates her prison before he shoots her in outer space out of stalactites and everything. So that was really fun. And um, – Gosh, those caves were and, – and so that was just one thing where you just, you know, gosh, did I imagine when I first wrote it that it was going to be in, in in Bangkok, Thailand? No, but <laughs> then I got to Thailand and we kind of saw what we had at our disposal and the fun we had and, um, and um, yeah, you just kind of – you just kind of take those lemons and make the best lemonade in the world. And I, and I have found with writing <laughs> and working with the directors on production to keeping yourself open to possibilities mm-hmm. will really – just you know, that 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 gives the room for a lot of fun surprises that you may not have normally had. Yeah, you and, just uh, sort of have to be like an Eskimo and go with yeah, the, go with the flow. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> thank you, <Yeah>. thank you. <laughs> that was good. That was good. So, so there's that. But I will say that that's where um, I'm not the writer on the set jumping up and down, mm-hmm. screaming that they're doing it wrong. Because it's not it's not mine to do anymore, and um, and so. But I will say with this one, the, this special. Back to your question about the special effects. Um, I will say out of all of them, the, out of all the movies I've had, this one it has some fun effects. There's, you know, they actually they delivered on it, and the robot at the end is very fun. So I, I'm I'm happy with it. I'm I'm happy with it, especially on the budget and um, our very very tight um, shooting schedule and everything. Yeah. So yeah, it's a this, lot of fun. Is this in release now or uh, is it pending? Yeah, just j- it just came out on DVD and video on demand. So ah, you, So is yeah. this is this something that we could see on Netflix for instance? Um it's not on Netflix yet. Hopefully it will be soon, but I know that you can like on online you can go to voodoo.com and then you can also mm-hmm. order the DVD 
through um, Amazon and Walmart and Target and all that kind of, all those kind of places. So, but um, but, but eventually it'll, it'll probably end up on. And it's also on Amazon as well mm-hmm. for download. Right, right. Um, yeah, as, but, as a um, digital as a digital download. Yeah. So, and wow. if um people but on Netflix right now, if people want to see a film that I have written, it's one of my most popular. Um, it's a movie called Zombies, like zoo. Uh-huh. You know, please. And it's about zoo animals that turn into zombies. And that's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Is that an animated or? No, no, no. It's live action. It's and, action. um, you will believe there are zombie giraffes. So zombie giraffes. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's outstanding. Yeah. yeah that's a this fun one. I would probably say that's my most popular one right now. <laughs> so there's that. Um, but then also then on Amazon Prime right now, um, I wrote a movie that was kind of similar to this King Arthur. Um, it was the second movie I wrote. They came back to me and they said, Hey, we liked what you did with King Arthur. Can you do the same thing with Sinbad? So I had, um, the long lost descendant of Sinbad today, uh-huh. um, having to fight the, um, Furies who have come back for revenge. Oh, so, that could that, be that, fun. That sounds yeah. good. That could be fun. Uh, that's well, very looking, fun. That's I'm, very fun. I personally and, um, am looking forward to uh, seeing King Arthur and the Knights of the okay. Round Table. And uh, I am Gene Turnbow. You are listening to Krypton Radio. Uh, since the beginning of the hour, we have been talking to Scotty Mullen, the writer of the uh, of the film by that name. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, oh, our guest also has been S.P. Hendrick, uh, who has been my co-host and co-pilot for this episode and uh i'm very glad that you were able to join us absolutely this was a big pleasure thank you so much <laughs> i hope we get to talk again i i'm sure we will uh, i'm looking forward to sharknado 5 as well <laughs> that's gonna be hey, this is a whole this is a whole side of cinema that most people don't delve into very much so it was a lot of fun anyway great have, thank you <laughs> You have been listening to episode 170 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for April 27th, 2017. Our guest this evening has been casting director turned screenwriter Scotty Mullen, who penned King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, the latest cinematic interpretation of that familiar legend, as well as Sharknado 5. Yes, those two go together. Your hosts have been Gene Turnbow and science fiction writer S.P. Hendrick. This episode will air again at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow afternoon, that's Sunday, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our own website at kryptonradio.com as podcasts. Krypton Radio is a radio station. It's on 24 hours a day. It's not just this one podcast. And it is listener-supported geek culture radio. And though some of our money does come from advertising, most of it comes from avid listeners just like you. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Event Horizon on Krypton Radio, please help us out so that we can stay on the air. Visit patreon.com slash kryptonradio and contribute whatever you can. Even $5 a month makes an enormous difference because it all adds up. Single drops of water, 
can add up to a tidal wave, and that can keep your favorite radio station and shows like this one on the air and surfing along. Okay, weird analogy aside, the Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by sci-fi illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is copyright 2017 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.